Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo podcast. This is part of a special series that covers what you need. If you walked into a Kajukembo school right now, and you were wondering what's going to be expected out of you to get your black belt, this is the episode for you. Now, disclaimers. I made this last time. I'll say it again. Um, you know, first of all, may cause side effects, internal bleeding. I'm just going to get All jokes aside, every method has different requirements. Every school has different requirements. So please keep that in mind as we go forward with this conversation. You might be coming from a different Kaja Kembo school. We don't do that. We have this form or we have that form. And that's great. Um, I'm not really trying to cross and compare. I, this series is probably, like I said last time, and I'll keep saying this, is probably going to be a never-ending one because every school, <laughs> fun story, I, I'm already getting sidetracked. I had a student, a new student come in. He's a karate guy from, where is he from? I think he's from, not India, but there's another country around that area. I think Sri Lanka. Either way, he came in and he asked me, hey, I really want to learn Palama number one. But when I looked it up on YouTube, I found like five different versions of it. And I couldn't find the one that you do. <laughs> so, so keep that in mind. Each school sometimes even has similar names for things, but there'll be little variations. So like, hopefully, if you were wondering what this school, and I have Mitch here, we're going to talk about the Imperato Method, Kajakembo. This is what Mitch would expect of you if you walked up to Mitch and asked him to trade you for your black belt. So that's something I want to just put out there before we get started so that there's no internal argument. So if you come from another school that, quote unquote, does Imperato Method Kajakembo and you do things a little differently, more than welcome to contact me. You can put you on here. You can talk about what they would expect from your school. All right. Ah, done. So, Mitch. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the Yo. show. What if someone walked in and said, I want to learn this, the, the, this system, the, the Imperato method, Kaja Kimball system, what, what would they expect? What do you expect out of them? What would they have to know? Um, and I'll let you break it down. However you want, if you want to go by belt or however you want to have it, go ahead, go for it. Well, let's do a quick disclaimer for maybe some of the viewers that you get that aren't really 100% sure about what Kaja Kimball is. So when you talk about Imperato Method, what you're saying is it's the Kaja Kimball that was created and taught by the Imperato brothers. So Adriano, Imperato, and Joe Imperato, they have a school in Hawaii. They're, you know, refining and, and creating and developing Kaja Kimball techniques and forms and stuff that are layered on top of what Imperato, Adriano Imperato did with four other co-founders when they started developing the art that became Kaja Kimball. So you've got the co-founders, you've got Adriano Imperato, Joseph Polk, Peter Chu, Frank Ordinez, and George Chang. These five guys start training together, mixing different arts. They come up with some techniques and then they go separate ways and Imperato, along with his brother, Joe, they start teaching and creating more stuff. They create some forms, other techniques and so forth. And they end up using the name Kaji Kimball. 
So for your viewers that aren't really sure uh, what the Imperato method is, you got to go another step further. Um, you got to look at people like uh, Aleo Reyes and Gary Forback. So Aleo Reyes was a student of Joe and Adriano Imperato, and he moved to California and he started teaching his students here. So he didn't change the Kaji Kimmel that he learned. So uh, what he learned, he just kept it that way. Others made some significant changes to the arts to the point where it looks very, very different. But Aleo Reyes is noted for not changing his style. Some years go by, one of his students, Gary Forback, starts making videotapes with Adriano Imperato. And those videotapes were done in a couple different formats, but they showed the Kajikembo Imperato method. So by having these videotapes, people started to realize, well, there's different versions of Kajikembo, but this stuff here is what Adriano Imperato put a stamp on. So I think it's important to know that part too. Now, there are other versions that can be called Imperato Method, Kaji Kimmel, but this is probably the most well-known version of it. And it comes from Aleo Reyes. So it's 14 Palamaset forms. It's got uh, 15 grab counters. It's got 21 punch counters, 15 knife counters, 13 club counters, there's eight two-man counters, there's six three-man counters, and then they have the alphabet techniques, which are the advanced punch counters, and there's 26 of those. So if you went into my school or another school that is affiliated with the Imperato method of Kaji Kembo, you know, any of Gary Forback or his, his students, any of my students, that's the curriculum that would make up the Imperato method of Kajikembo. Now, if you broke it up by belts, we use orange, purple, uh, blue, green, brown, and black, and in first degree, second degree, and third degree. All the knowledge is taught within those belts. There is no additional knowledge for fourth, fifth, sixth, and et cetera. That, that rank comes from what you're giving back, if you're teaching, et cetera. So, that covers the, the Imperato Method curriculum. It also um, brings us to a different point, and that is that some instructors like myself, we taught more than that. So with the help of my black belts, we came up with a curriculum that covers other things and incorporated that in the Kajikembo. So our students learn boxing and kickboxing and grappling, et cetera. And I think a lot of schools are doing that now. But that gives you your base curriculum. And then I'll acknowledge that not all the schools uh, stick with that solely. A lot of them layer stuff on top, which is what I did. So a few questions come to mind. Um, Okay, yeah. So for for the, if you've stuck around this long, if you want a greater detail about the history of Kajakembo, what is Kajakembo at the end of every podcast? So what is Kajakembo podcast if you don't know what it is? And um, somewhere along the line, probably earlier in this video, you saw a little tag that I'm going to put in there about the Emperado method of Kajakembo because we already had an hour conversation about the history of that. So if you want to check that out more, there'll be a link for that too. Now, that being said, so guy comes in, 
I want to learn Kaja Kembo from you. What's the first thing you teach him? Oh, man, how not to get beat up. Because um, you're going to take a lot of shots. When you come into Kaja Kembo school, at least the old school, traditional ones, you're going to take a lot of shots. So you got to toughen that body up a little bit, right? Because you take a lot of neck shots, a lot of arm bar takedowns, you know, leg kicks, hip throws, shoulder throws, that kind of stuff. So you, you got to teach them how to fall, got to teach them how to roll. You know, basically the just the early stuff so they don't get beat up by the mat, right? And then from there, you generally start working with stances, four stance, front stances, et cetera. And then your basics. Uh, Kajikembo, the way I learned it, it has six, six blocks down, up, in and out, which are short and long movements. And then uh, you have your kicks, your front kick, side kick, roundhouse, cartwheel kick, back kick. You got to be able to learn how to do that stuff. So you teach them the basic kicks, the basic strikes, the fundamentals, and then how to roll, how to fall. And then you can start teaching them some techniques. But generally, you know, you, you got to get them. Most people don't show up there, you know, ready to go. They, a lot of people start the martial arts because they're, they're afraid of getting their ass kicked. So they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I not get my, my butt kicked by somebody? And I got to develop some skills. Or they've been bullied or picked on. And, you know, they, they're like, I don't want to live like this. I want to I be better than this. So you get those guys too. Not everybody's a rock star that shows up and can do everything. So once you've given them their basic fundamentals, uh, let's start some shop talk here. Um, what, and how do you want to break this down? Would you like to break it all down or do you want to go by belt? I'm going to give you that option. Do you want to go by, by belt or do you just want to go just the whole shabam? I'd rather break it down by, um, categories like okay. promises, forms. Right. Okay. There's 14 yeah. of those. So 14 palamasets. What are palamasets? So they're structured self-defense movements and uh, generally uh, starting in about the same location for the most part. And they're teaching you basic applications and techniques. And it's it's funny because uh, in 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 the uh, in the Kajikemo talk or the Kajikemo world, when you talk about forms, they you'll hear somebody say, "Oh, there's five attackers," or "This one's got you know six attackers," and it's cool that your mind can think that way. But I do want to stress this: if you study the history of forms and you go back and you look at the Chinese Okinawan forms, they didn't fight attackers. They did techniques. They started off as two-person self-defense movements, and they there's some rules to them. So if you're moving backwards, you're on defense. If you're moving forward, you're on offense. Generally, when they decided to design these forms that would be used universally, they, they realized that, hey, if you go to the right three times and you need to go to the left three times, that way you can end up back in the middle. So there's rules to forms. But the, the commonality with martial arts forms is that you are doing self-defense techniques. You're not fighting individual people. You don't fight this guy and then a guy comes this way and you go that way. You're just doing techniques. So if you turn generally, you, you are in a form, generally you are facing your attacker. If they're behind you, you will turn and face them. 
some more rules that you can find if you study the history of forms. Now, Kaji Kimmel can be a little different than that because we're not sure what rules Adriano and Joan Parado used or even knew. They created forms starting about 1954-55, but we don't know what they did, you know, what kind of training they had that was, you know, their teacher didn't, uh, William Chow didn't really teach forms. And James Matosi was William Chow's teacher, and he taught maybe in Hunchi. There might be a couple other little forms that he taught, but these guys weren't big forms guys. So something motivated Adriano Imperato to start creating forms. And unless you were there, you don't really know what that motivation was. But that's something to think about in a martial arts form. Yes, you can set it up as, hey, I'm fighting three attackers. Or you can tell yourself, I'm defending myself using these three techniques. And then I'm just going to come in for for those of you who follow my channel who are cringing because you hate forms. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to say right now, an interesting conversation I had with Hackleman who got rid of the forms was he felt that what makes up Kajikembo are the propriety techniques, the self-defense techniques, and the forms. Even though he doesn't like the forms, he feels he felt that this is what makes up Kajikembo even if he didn't agree with it. So for those of you cringing right now, that's just something to keep in mind. That when you're creating a system or you're working with a system that's already been created, because Mitch didn't create the system. I didn't create the system, right? There's a system in place that's made up of priority to deep. <laughs> there it is. I went off the rails. I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying. <laughs> Proprietary techniques, as Hackleman right. put it. Yeah, I know. He, he uses big words sometimes. So yeah. I uh, I have a list here because I want to go down a I want to go down a different road with this. So I made a list here, and and we'll go back and forth. After all these years, I've been training in almost fifty years, right? And I have law enforcement background, so I kind of understand what you need and don't need in those street situations, right? So I have this list of this curriculum. What would I teach today? from the original curriculum. And the very first thing here, it says zero forms. So John and I can agree on that. And I'd tell you for a different reason, it's a waste of time. And for all those people whose heads are exploding right now, you only have so many hours in a week that you have a student to train with. If you had, you know, five hours a day, six days a week, forms could make sense. But when you maybe only have a couple hours to work with them and you're really trying to refine their, their fighting skills and their self-defense uh, skills and knowledge, uh, forms is, they can take a lot of time. And I can tell you this, sometimes you're forcing your students to learn that when they want to learn everything but that. So uh, if I were to change anything at all and go back and say, okay, Mitch, you get to start over, I wouldn't teach any forms at all. And again, this is our disclaimer, though. Because we are teaching that system, right? I'm not teaching the Imperato method of Kajikembo, but Mitch is. You would have to learn the forms. That's, that's, that's the question we're trying to answer for you. Right? I said, who? someone walks in, what do they have to learn? Well, this is what you have to learn. Now, how you feel about it is up to you. <laughs> you can, I, I want to say one thing. My instructor knows I'm not a fan of forms. So, like, it doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't mean that you're gonna you know like I guess like some old school karate schools if you had the kind of conversation we just had 
Like I, I don't, I think it's a waste of time. Then you're done. Yeah, <laughs> right you're, there, you're, you're done. Yeah, then you're kicked yeah. out for for speaking against. Yeah, for speaking against the sacred texts. You know, <laughs> the sacred texts yeah. from Star Wars. Star Wars yeah, reference. You, it's <laughs> like you're the guy taking the the Bible and saying we're taking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John out. Forget <laughs> it. We don't need those. We just want Old Testament justice. Yes. <laughs> So, so, but that that's what we're trying to get at. You can't have the disagreements, but this is what you would, if you want to learn that method and you want a black belt in that method, that's what you're I, looking I, at. I want to throw this one more little thing out there for the forms people right now that are going, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I competed a lot in forms and I won a lot of trophies doing forms uh, in front of Emperor too. Um. I can honestly say, I don't think I learned a single thing from doing any of those forms. People say, oh, it's balance. It's, you know, it, it's uh, coordination from right side to left side and all that. It, yeah, it can be. But you can do that doing drills over and over. That's why, you know, a lot of schools don't do forms that are focused on tactical training. Just my two and a half cents. But I can say running a program running several programs right i run an mma program a jiu-jitsu program and the kajakembo program uh the family kajakembo program kids they like forms they enjoy them it, they it's a good enjoy filler it. if you're filling time it's a great filler if you got a bunch of kids and you know you only have so much of you that can go around and teach hey you guys go do those forms and then the cool thing is, is you can get the student that knows them to teach them to the ones that don't and even if that student has ADHD, which many of my students do, it'll yeah. keep, it'll keep them busy. Like I said, it'll keep well, them busy. It'll keep them from running off the walls, okay? Because if you leave an ADHD conjugal kid alone, you are asking for trouble. <laughs> Dude, I want to go back to something you and I talked about. This is part of my my reason I don't I don't value forms. We talked about this when I was young, and I learned my first form because I went to this, you know taekwondo school when i was like 14 and i learned this first form i seriously thought i'd be the baddest dude that walked the planet and it didn't happen and i was pissed i was like but i can do the moves right so it's almost like uh it's it's setting you up for this big failure so that's it let's move on grab counter because right. of grab counter first of all what is a grab counter how is someone grabbing you for this grab counter so in, in Kajikembo, there's a series of grab counters. They generally grab you with both hands around the lapel area. Two hands, boom, just grab a hold of you. And then you do your self-defense technique from there. And then there are some where they grab you with one hand and they throw a punch. And there's some where they grab you from, say, your back shoulder and they try to punch you. So there's, there's 15 of these grab arts. And, you know, they're pretty good techniques. Um, if I were to say, what would I change about them? I would add maybe five more and I would move the angles. There's not enough angles in some of the, the original knowledge. A lot of it is right in front of you or like right over your right shoulder. So they don't focus on your weak side as much. And if you're going to design techniques, um, what I know now is I'd focus on the different angles. So grab counters, generally they grab me with two hands or one hand or in front or in back. Um, there isn't anything for wrist grabs. 
there's nothing, you know, there's no escape type stuff that you would learn if you did say Donzaru Jiu Jitsu, even though Kajikimo was based on Donzaru, there, there isn't any stuff for that. You know, the throat grab and you poke and wrist lock takedown. They don't do that in Kajikimo. That's more of a Donzaru stuff or small circle Jiu Jitsu. So there's 15 of those. I'd probably add about five more and maybe change the angles a little bit. So you can get you know, a little bit more coverage. And I call this this area three feet all the way around me, my safe space. And I need to be able to protect that all the time. It doesn't matter what direction I go. I have to be able to protect that three feet around me. So if you're not giving me any angles and I have to try to figure out on my own what I'm supposed to do here, what I'm supposed to do there, um, you know, I, I would look as an instructor to try and fix that. Uh, punch counters are next. So give for those, so we're kind of theoretical here, for someone, for the lay person kind of casually listening who's gotten this far in, what would a typical grab, we'll just try the double lapel. Double lapel grab, what's going on? What would be uh, an example, a concrete example of a uh, double lapel grab defense what would what would it be well just do the beginning one you sure. strike up underneath their elbows with your palm heels so you're trying to shove their arms up you're popping up this way and at the same time you take your right foot you can use either leg we don't really care but in the technique it's designed with the right foot and you kick the attacker in the groin with the front ball of your right foot all at the same time boom that'll collapse them a little bit and you pull them back towards you since their body weight comes on you, you can circle your hands over the top, drive their arms down, and their, their body will go downward. That's as simple as you can get or something like that, right? You're just, you're just striking them and getting them to let go of you. I do want to point out here, and this is a great time to do this. I watch people do grab art techniques, and then they'll take the guy to the ground and they'll beat them for five minutes. They'll, you know, break their arms, all this kind of stuff. Look, it's a grab art self-defense technique. If your goal was to kill the guy, why do all the technique? Just punch him in the throat. Guy grabs you, boom, punch him in the throat. If you're going to do the technique, which some are pretty complicated, you got to learn it and develop it. If you're going to do all that work. And then kill the guy. The idea is that you're escaping from this grab. So when I see someone dragging a guy to the ground off of a grab art technique, they come here, hit the face, make them, you know, let go by driving their arm in. And then they pull them to the ground and smash their head in the ground with their foot and spread the legs apart and punch them in the groin and flip them over and do it. If you're going to do all that work, don't do the self-defense part of it. Just start beating a dude while he's standing up. That's my rant. I'll, I'll leave that alone. So in your method, there's going to be a counter, a strike, a takedown, and that's it. Well, then you got to think what happens, right? So from a law enforcement perspective, what can you do? I can hold you there for the cops to come. So I'm going to dial 911 or whatever it is. I don't know what you guys use in Japan, but let's get police here. Um, if the guy's still fighting or gal, I mean, women fight too, right? You sit there and, and you can still fight them. Or you can leave. Those are your choices. You don't have any other choices. 
So if you're going to lock them and hold them in place, you better know how to do that without breaking anything else. Because there is a level of responsibility that you have in this situation. If you do too much and they sue you, you got to pay them. If you break stuff, if you if you disable them, if you poke them in the eye and you destroy their eye, you're paying for that. There's no freebie here. If you go too far, you pay for that. And lawyers are expensive, and the whole thing could cost you money for the rest of your life. So you have to figure out what you're going to do at the end of any self-defense situation. Right. Now, if you're if you're somewhere where you can run away and no one's ever going to see that, well, maybe you do what you do, but everything's on camera now. Someone's got a phone, there's a camera above your head. They're going to figure out who you are. Right. So there's our concrete example for an example of a grab and some ideas behind it. Now, you mentioned punch counter techniques. For our punch yeah, counter so, techniques, what kind of punch is coming at me for this? Well, the grab and the punch are the primary, like the bread and butter techniques of Kajikembo, at least the original hardline system. So with the punch counters, you got to go back and, and look at how the punch counters were developed. The guys throwing the punches, Peter Chu, um, Rio Tiwanak, uh, the, uh, Frank Warnes, these guys were all boxers. Tiwanak was a professional boxer. These guys were throwing punches at Imperato and he's coming up with techniques. They followed that format because early on in, in our Kaji Kembo history stuff uh, that people can review, we pointed out that uh, their goal of making these punch counter techniques was to be able to beat a trained fighter. So they're not trying to defeat some knucklehead on the street that's throwing this big old stupid punch. They're trying to beat a guy that knows how to fight. That's why the techniques were designed the way they are. So the punch counter techniques are an example of what you would do for the most part against somebody that knew how to punch. They know how to jab, they know how to throw a cross, they know how to throw a hook and an uppercut. And you're focusing on that guy. So an example of a technique, uh, the punch counter one, two, three, and four, the first four use the same format to start. Punch comes in. And it's a right-hand boxer punch. So they're coming over the top, trying to punch you in the face. You parry that hand. You drive a hammer fist strike into their bicep. So I have their punch coming in, and I'm destroying the arm. And the very same time, I'm throwing a kick to the groin with my right foot. That'll collapse the body. So I've got a con uh, an impact strike to the groin and an impact strike to the bicep. From there, the technique changes. Depending on what you want to do, I can pull them down. I can send them to the this side, to my right side. I can send them to my left side. I can flip them, throw them backwards onto their back, et cetera. I decide what I'm going to do with that attacker. So in that example, there's a punch, there's a kick, and there's a takedown. There can be a takedown. You don't have to do a takedown. I can come this way. I can do the hammer fist. I can kick the groin, and I can just drive their arms to the ground. Okay. I can push them back and tell me, you know, no more of this, dude. You keep going. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna beat you down. So there's gonna be a punch. There's gonna be a counter to the punch, a kick or a punch or a punch or a kick, and then that's where the fundamental technique would end. And then you could ad lib and stuff, but essentially, it's gonna be a counter to a straight punch, not a haymaker, but a straight. Um, and it's going to be a punch, a kick, or a kick or a punch. And then it's then from there, 
the fundamental technique, and I'm saying, I'm, so in jujitsu we see these things called fundamentals. Just like in other martial arts, some people hate to do fundamentals. <laughs> some people hate to do fundamentals, but it's really basic shit. Like you're on the guy, you're you're you you have chest to chest on the guy. You're inside mount. You move your hips up. You go into what they call a reverse scarf hold, and you get on top and mount. And that is the entire technique. It's not fancy. There's no choking or breaking of the arms or some crazy thing where you grab their lapel and put it around their neck and strangle them. Nothing fun. It's just you bring your hips up and you put and you get into mount. And you have to do this for seven minutes. And a lot of beginners are just like, especially MMA guys, like, ah, yeah, seven minutes of this. But <laughs> you got to realize it's the fundamental technique. The other fun this is it's just a fundamental technique. It's it's, it's something that you're gonna see. You know, I, I, it's boring to you because you're like, I do this all. This is what always comes up in sparring, exactly, and that's why it's a fundamental technique. The idea of dealing with someone throwing a straight—that is a fundamental defensive technique. It's gonna happen <laughs> if you step in. The first that's gonna happen in sparring is a jab followed by the straight. So again, it's a fundamental technique. There's funner, funner, fancier stuff we can always add later. But if you can't get past, as stupid as it sounds, especially because we just talked about earlier, that a lot of people that come in, some people are badasses, but many of them don't have any idea and are scared. Right? They've, they've yeah, all, they're trying, so, so, they're trying to build some, some skills, right? Yeah. So you, you got to do drills for that. Yeah. So again, you, know, you can't you can't punch and kick the air forever. You got to use bags and you got to use pads and then you got to use people. Yeah. So again, yeah. fundamentally, you're countering the straight, um, a punch or a kick, and that's the fundamental technique for a punch counter. Uh, and there are how many of these? Well, there's 21 of them, but you'll go into some schools and they might have you might do number one and then two and then two A and 2B, and 2C, and 3, and 3A, and so forth. Because CJ was cool with instructors coming up with their own versions of these techniques. He would tell them, hey, man, don't forget your roots. Remember remember your original stuff. But yeah, you can be creative and come up with stuff on your own. So that's why you'll see you know, 6A and 6B and so forth. So there could be another half a dozen of those techniques. There's 21 textbook techniques. Okay, so there's 21 textbook techniques in the in the imperato method that that you follow for your curriculum yep. so so far we have 14 palama sets 15 grab counters 21 punch counters what's next yeah. so i would we'll go to knife counters um actually let me let me back up real quick because we talked about what i would change let's not get confused though before we talk about what we would yeah. because what you're telling me, if I understand you correctly, going back to our original question, someone walked in and said, Mitch, I want to train with you and get a black belt. And what it sounds like you're implying is these are the fundamental things I expect of you. But <laughs> if I were to do it today with 50 years of knowledge, yeah, I would change some things. Yeah, there's going to be some things that if you come to Mitch right now, Mitch, I want to learn. You're going to learn these fundamentals plus in asterisk star what else what are you going to change <laughs> what do you what do you i would probably only do about 10 of those techniques 10 of those punch counters i think they get redundant 
Okay. You know, there's there's only the guy's throwing a punch at your face and you're giving them 21 different versions because when you get to the alphabets, those are more versions of punch counters. So I would probably break that down to 10, the 10 that I feel that maybe are the most practical. So then my question is, though, someone walks into you right now. I want to learn. I want to get a black belt from you. Would you teach all 21? Well, you know what? I wouldn't teach anyone anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, yeah, so my that, black belts would teach you, and and they'll do their thing, but yeah. I, I will never promote another black belt ever. Okay. So there you go. You can't get it from Mitch. <laughs> but it won't come from me. But, but if you were to go, you can expect whether you end up with this or not. I guess that's another good disclaimer. Whether you end up with this or not, this is what you can 